0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go
1: now. All right, you guys, happy Wednesday. We've got Andy I joining us in 30 minutes to talk Kraken. Obviously, we're getting to some Seahawks stuff uh, coming up a little bit later in the show. At 1 p.m., John Boyle's going to join us, but we're going to get to it uh, at 11 when we talk about what we've learned from the Combine so far. That includes that Jalen Carter story, uh, which we're going to talk about a little bit in headlines, but mostly have that for 11. Latest from Pete and John, Jalen Carter news, all that stuff. Before we get to any of it, you guys... I did it. I finally was at a red carpet event last night, and it was really fun, and I crushed it.
2: You were at it last year.
1: Okay, yeah, but, like, (laughs) more importantly, I was at it last night. How was it? It was really fun. It was really fun. You guys would have had a blast. I wish you guys were there. It was uh, a great time. Um, It was me and Mike Lefko hosting. Mike Lefko, the producer for Wyman and Bob. And there were so many fun moments. First of all, I know Taylor's back there. Taylor, you're not in front of a mic right now. But Tay is a Coug. You're a Coug. Both of you would have hated speaking to Michael Penix because he was so likable. And you wouldn't have been able to fight your love for him. He was so incredibly likable. Nominated for Male Sports Star of the Year. Did not win, though, lost out to Julio, who was, I think, a an odds-on favorite for that award, rightfully so. Fantastic AL Rookie of the Year season for him. He accepted the award uh, from uh, spring training where he had a little video for people kind of thanking everyone and, you know, saying great job to all the other candidates. But.
2: No, um, Julio was supposed to win that one. And... <clears throat> I have a Michael Penix. I met Michael Penix. Yeah. I covered the of Apple course, Cup. Yeah. And I met him after the game. And our producer hands me an apple to hand to Michael Penix. Like, congratulations on the Apple Cup. Did you throw it and away? And I wanted to toss that <laughs> thing clear across the field. But after talking to Michael Penix, I go, he's a cool cat, man. He's really cool.
1: He's a really, really cool kid. We were talking to him. So I had a couple takeaways. I'll start with Michael Penix then. Michael Penix, um, we talked to him about uh, you know a little bit of Pac twelve stuff. Um, how you know the conference isn't in the best way right now, but is still one of the better conferences for quarterback play. He's really excited to return, and I think what was so insightful from Penix is. You know, people were wondering, why is he coming back? Like, why are you coming back? Why are you risking injury? Why are you risking losing all of this after leading the nation in passing? And I think that what we, Royal We, don't give uh, Penix enough credit for is how much playing college ball means to him, but also how much it means to him to be able to be healthy playing college football. And I think for him, he recognized like, wow, for like maybe the first time in my college career, I can have this full healthy season, a full healthy offseason and another full healthy season to have two great years of doing what I love doing.
2: Yeah, that's good for him. I would have been gone. I would have been out of there. But that's good for him. And there's nothing like college football. I think every step you take, it gets more and more business. Like mm-hmm. high school football is awesome. Friday nights, periods one through six, you're with your boys. You get to college, you train and stuff. You get to NFL. It's a business, and you get paid to do that. Um, but also, next year, it should be him and Caleb Williams at the top of the QB food chain. So I think that factored into his decision as well. He's got a lot of good receivers coming back. He's had one year with uh, DeBoer over there. So, I understand why he came back, but you know me, Stacey, I would have been gone.
1: I completely understand. Uh, congratulations to Rose Lavelle, by the way, who won in the women's category for Sports Star of the Year. Uh, let me just say though, I, so I mentioned I was hosting with Mike Lefko. Mike Lefko's jaw hit the floor. We didn't get an interview with uh, with Bailey Klinger, who's uh, for University of Washington softball. She had one of the best softball seasons, or one of the best seasons for any any Husky softball player in the history of that school, just absolutely phenomenal. Pac-12 Player of the Year, congratulations to Bailey, who, again, Rose Lavelle won the award, but Bailey was a, a deserving candidate as well as all the other women in this category. Bailey, maybe one of the most, uh, in addition to, like, get athletically gifted people with, like, just a phenomenal season, one of the most beautiful people and striking people I've seen in person – She was standing there. We didn't end up getting an interview because we uh, were running towards the end of the hour and had to cut. And I've never seen Lefko look more heartbroken because I I think that he (laughs) he looked over and he saw Bailey Klinger standing there. And I think that he I think his heart stopped and he couldn't think straight. Like, I think that he literally could not function or talk as could like everyone around us like, We were all just staring like oh my god she's so talented i can't believe it but that's how you feel being around you know like all these amazing athletes is is just you know some of them are just larger than life
2: no nah, i would have uh, handled it you would have handled, handled it? it okay that's just me though
3: <laughs> i'm just, <laughs> just built me.
2: different
1: i'm just built different uh she, yeah she could absolutely be like in like a a, a like a teen uh netflix drama like, she looks like she could be, like, an actress Yeah. Uh, in addition to just, like, absolutely dominating that sport. Holy cow. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk about a couple other things first. So there are some awards that are given to people that you guys are less familiar with. Um, so this uh, kid, Tiago, uh, was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 cancer, a really aggressive form of childhood cancer, um, and thought that he would have, like, the, his family thought he would have, like, maybe weeks to live. He ended up beating cancer. They they were living in Yakima, moved out here to Seattle so that he could be treated at Seattle Children's with this really aggressive form of chemotherapy. And thank goodness for him and his family. He ends up surviving. He's really into sports now, right? He loves baseball. So he was honored uh, during the night with one of the awards that they give for just like youth inspiration. He was one of the first awards of the night, maybe the first award of the night. The last award of the night was Ken Griffey Jr., And he was nominated um, as the legend of the night. And there have been many other amazing winners. And seeing Ken Griffey uh, in person was really, really cool. And he was introduced by Rick Riz. And Riz is up there telling the story of uh, this young man that he knew that was a family friend who was uh, diagnosed with cancer and had like two months to live. And Riz tells this amazing story that I'm going to butcher, so I'm going to be very quick with it, of going into the clubhouse telling uh, Griffey, hey, I've got this kid here who's a huge fan of yours. Can he come in and (laughs) and just talk to you? Griffey being like, bring him in. Absolutely, no problem. And he's playing video games with him. And then uh, he has to go to batting practice. So he takes the kid to batting practice and, like, hangs out all day. And it was just this really, really – Riz said, you know, like this – you know, he ended up passing two months later, but I've never seen him happier. Like, it was the happiest day ever. Uh, So Griffey comes up and – the entire point, I think, of the night that stuck with me, Bump, that was highlighted by both Tiago's story and the story Riz told of Griffey, is the impact that sports has in a community and on the people around them, right? It's not just celebrating Uh, you know, Bailey for Amazing Accomplishments or Rose Lavelle for Amazing Accomplishments or Michael Penix Jr. for Amazing Accomplishments. It's also looking at the impact that all of these people, young and old, have in the communities and the people around them. And then when Ken Griffey Jr. went on stage to accept his award, he brought Tiago up and it was like he was joking around pretending to be like Tiago's baseball agent. Like, hey, I'm going to sign a deal. John Stanton, Can you? you know, we're going to start with $60 million and Stanton like shakes his hand. It's all this kind of fun joke. But like it it just really highlights, you know, the first winner of the night, Tiago, honoree of the night, coming up, you know, with this guy who's like an icon, not just in Seattle, in sports, like in baseball history, an iconic player, and just like the impact that that means on, on people who have those moments with athletes.
2: Yeah, I think um, events like last night connect the region more, you know, yeah. you get the national spotlights, you get Griffey back in his time, you get Julio now, um, you talk about Michael Penix later on in the season where the nation starts to recognize these people and appreciate them, but events like last night brings everyone in this region together, and I would I would like to assume that th- these type of awards for guys like Griffey who have been recognized all across the land, um, when they go to things like this, they feel like they're coming home, and they feel like they're surrounded by people who are truly emotionally invested into them. You know, it's not—it's not corporate. It might feel corporate, it might look corporate, yeah. but when you go to the ESPYS and then you go to this awards ceremony, um, it's a bit different. So, sounds like it was a good time.
1: That's a really good way to compare it. It was much more focused on community here. Um, Jen Mueller, who you guys have seen uh, through, uh, I mean, literally any sport you watch. She does Seattle sideline. Obviously, Mariner stuff uh, started cracking during their inaugural season and is continuing that work. She was honored, and it was really cool. Um, so lots of familiar faces, lots of people that you're proud to know. Uh, I am going to quickly talk about one of the cool things that I talked about with um, Uchenna Nawosu, K.J. Wright and Steve Rabel. So we'll spend like three minutes on this before we move on because it's some Seahawks nuggets that I thought you guys would be interested in. Uh, So first we talked with Steve Rabel and Rabes was saying, you know what, regardless of era, regardless of age, regardless of which team you played for, there are just some football truths. And I said, oh, my God, Steve, I know exactly what you mean. Like, no matter what, I'll sometimes hear Bump and Ray and Wyman, who are all different, you know, ages and, and different backgrounds, say these like fundamental truths about football, no matter the position, no matter when they played. And uh, so we were talking about what some of those fundamental truths are. And both he and KJ said separately, great defense late, fundamental truth. You need great defense late in the year. Like, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what examples you can point to. Like, that's just a fundamental truth about base or football that, like, any player will tell you is true. And uh, I figured it would be, you know, something uh, worthwhile touching on because the Seahawks— need to be better defensively, and they badly, badly need that. I was wondering what you, Bump, think about that fundamental truth of football.
2: That's real. That's 100. Great defense late. To me, that means unless you are one of these teams that are 13-3, and and 13-4, 12-whatever, going into the playoffs, you're going to be in a battle late in the season. I think we saw that even with the Seahawks, right? You needed some help from the Detroit Lions to get you in there. So in the big picture, defense late will get you into the playoffs or give you a chance. Now you break down the games. Defense late means that when you are in the playoffs and the week have been eliminated, they're at home on the couch watching the better football teams play. There, there are going to be moments in a game where it's third and two, and you need to stop. Mm-hmm. There's going to be moments where a guy like Patrick Mahomes has the football driving to win the game, which we saw in the Super Bowl, and you need to make a stop. There's going to be points in a game where um, it's a fourth down, this fourth and one or fourth and whatever this team is going for. Defining moments in big games. The defense has to step up. either The defense steps up or the offense executes and you're good to go. And there's something to be said when a defense um, executes in those moments because their back's against the wall, right? Mm -hmm. Third and short, fourth and short, whatever. The pressure is typically on the defense. The offense manipulates what's going on. The defense has to react and has to stop. So that's what I see or that's what I hear when I hear that. Defense late. In individual games, and in defense, lay, as a team, once you start making a push towards the playoffs.
1: So, another thing, uh, Mike and I asked Uchenna Nwosu, who was the only active player we spoke to, um, hey, you guys undoubtedly will add a defensive player this offseason. Whether it's by free agency, whether it's by the draft, it's obviously a piece that this team needs, and none of us right now know who it'll be. So, Uchenna, tell us what kind of person you want to see. And he had one word. and he guesses? Any guesses?
2: What kind of person he wants to see? What kind of
1: person do you want to see? And then I'll tell you the word, On this defense. uh, The type of dude. What type of dude fits in on this defense?
2: A dog, man. So Just a dog.
1: he said, a savage. Yeah. Same sentiment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Same sentiment. Just a dude. Like a guy who can get after it. Why does the defense need that? I mean, it seems like an obvious question. Do you see it lacking, or do you just think that that's such a vital piece of great defenses?
2: No, I think to be a professional football player especially on defense, you got to have that in you. Some guys have more of it. And why? Because you are on the attack on defense. You are actually attacking a man and driving him down into the ground and trying to make a play. You are being violent. You are being a ball hawk. You are everywhere on the football field. It's the most natural. I feel like defensive players have the most – natural positions where it comes to just reacting and going. See ball, get ball, tackle, boom, get them down to the ground. And then, um especially if you're in the box, there's so much chaos going yeah. on, man. It's pretty on the outside. I can run 40 plays and not be touched as a receiver. In the inside, there's going to be contact. You're going to get your butt kicked. You're going to get set down. You are going to get dominated at times. And what a dog and a savage does is he brushes himself off, he gets back up, and boom, then he makes a play. Can you – Every down, go forward and not backward, especially in that box. So it's just um, it's a mentality and it's this the nature of playing defense.
1: You know, one thing I'll say, bump, and you'd be very disappointed by this. Is you know, I was asking these players about these fundamental truths of baseball. Not one said wide receivers. Well, not one. Said, you know, fundamental truth. Wide fundamental. receivers, just you know like why? such it, great dude, it's too
2: skilled out there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying There's too much, too much technique going on. Because they're out jealous. There. It's not frankly, fundamental.
1: Frankly, because they're jealous. That's I, I, why I won't say that.
2: You know, because if <laughs> sure. I could if I can come back as a football player, I'd be a rush in for sure. Really, make me six six two thirty five. If you could choose your go. dream,
1: and I want to include like peak. Great quarterback. No,
2: I mean obviously quarterback. Okay, you, fine. You okay, I guess take quarterback off the page. I'm then you would want to be like player. No, quarterbacks are football players. But I'm talking football. If players. there is a
1: player in the league, past or present, that you would point to and say, "I want to be that dude," if I could be uh, reincarnated as any football player.
2: If I could be reincarnated, like what would be
1: the most fun player, player to be?
2: Man, I, I would look at um, like Javon Kirst back in the day, the freak, yeah, the Tennessee Titans. Something like that. I'm sure if I break it down even more, I can find someone um, that I'm more connected to. But that type of player. Uh,
1: I think it would be really, really fun to just get after it every play. I also think being able to do something like a Calvin Johnson type role where it's like you just or like Randy Moss. Right. To just be able to make these unbelievable plays like that would also be really cool, too. It would be one of those two things. I would either be this really huge outside receiver or I would be an edge rusher.
2: Yeah, I'm Andrew, quarterback. Yeah, make me Michael Vick without all the other stuff, (laughs) and I'll take it for sure. All
1: right, let's get to headline
0: rewrites.
2: (laughs) Headline rewrites. rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news
0: with Bumble (laughs) Stacy. headline number one the biggest story to come from the combine an arrest warrant has been issued for top draft prospect Jalen carter after being implicated by the athens georgia police department for street racing in a crash that took the lives of a georgia teammate and a staffer what's the real headline
1: unless he's taking a bong hit i don't know that i see him slipping i saw someone text in stacy you're going to be jumping into lake union because Jalen carter is going to be there at number five for the seahawks and look the allegations, the timing's interesting, but the allegations are serious. This is a serious, serious issue. That said, the NFL's kind of weird, man. You've seen some people that have dealt with very serious issues that have still been drafted because of their talent. And then you've seen guys smoke weed and fall out of the first round completely, right? Like, there is a weird kind of moral judgment that has passed some time in the NFL, I don't know that this is something that keeps Jalen Carter out of the top five. I really don't. I think that what's going to happen is people are going to go to him and they're going to say, what happened? And he's going to say, I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know what to do. And people are going to say, that's enough for me.
2: If he slips, we won't know it because a slip for him would be from number one to number five, number two to number four. You know, if now if this were a felony type charge, it sounds like it's going to be a misdemeanor. Then I think you look at this differently. I've been around people who've made horrible decisions and they flee the scene because they're young. They don't know what to do. The thing that concerns me the most is just the type of stress this young man has dealt with. He knew eventually this was going to come out. It's not like he's living his day to day with no worries, no cares. I'm just focusing on the combine. He knows that he was there. He played a part in it. So I hope that he's okay. Um, It's an unfortunate situation. I know many guys who have been in that situation, racing cars like dummies and stuff, but, um, Yeah, I think he'll be fine. Um, Hopefully mentally he's in a good place. Headline re-rides. I
1: do want to stress we're going to get back to this news a little bit along with the latest from Pete and John at 11. Curtis, what's next?
0: Headline number two, the Kraken held on for dear life. 5-3 victory, getting an empty net goal late from Brandon Tanev. They beat the St. Louis Blues. What's the real headline? A
1: snap, but no noise. Here's what I mean by that. They snapped a three-game losing streak, but it's also pretty quiet for this team ahead of Friday's trade deadline. GM Ron Francis told the team's official website a couple days ago that he's constantly making calls, but added... I like our team. They've shown they can win against anybody. I think that they're looking at it a little bit like how the Mariners did. Now, the Mariners made a huge acquisition in getting Luis Castillo, but they also looked at getting Mitch Haniger back as kind of an acquisition in itself. I think that Ron Francis and the Kraken are doing the same. Looking at getting Andre Burakovsky back in the next couple weeks is kind of an acquisition.
2: Yeah, I guess it is. He says um, he likes his team, but then Ron also says we're not afraid to make a move. So he's he's keeping the door wide open for all possibilities. We're going to talk to Andy i here in a little bit. I'm going to ask him about some players that uh, have been rumored to be on a trade deadline and could help the Kraken out a little bit. But, um, yeah, 5-3, you take the win. You needed this win. You didn't want to go on a even longer skid. Good for the Kraken. But I think they need to make a move. If you really want to make a push, they're a playoff team as of now. But more needs to be done. We'll see what they do. Headline rewrite.
0: Headline number three. Shocking, I know. Aaron Rodgers is talking. Uh, he addresses playing future in a podcast with host Aubrey Marcus by saying, "quote I don't want to drag anybody around." What's the real headline? Unless
1: it's the Packers. Yeah. I'll drag them around every Rogers single really season. <clears throat> I'll make you wonder every single offseason whether or not I'm going to retire, whether or not I hate you, or whether or not I'm going to sign an extension. You're going to wonder every single year. Aaron Rodgers, by the way, let me pull up this quote. This is a real quote. And someone texted in an earlier bump, and they were like, you're making fun of meditation. They probably didn't say it. So accusatory. I'm not making fun of anyone's approach to self-help or healing or whatever. What I'm doing is making fun of how pretentious Aaron Rodgers is. Like, I didn't... This isn't controversial, like he's clearly someone who thinks his you-know-what doesn't stink. He said, all the answers are right inside me, and I touched many of them, and definitely the feelings on both sides during the darkness.
2: You know what? He's just a different type of cat. And the older older you get, this is, again, we talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers. What I can appreciate about him is that he's not afraid to be himself. He's going to say exactly what he wants to say. He's going to do what he wants to do, and because he's had the career that he's had, he's more inclined and allowed to do that. People are going to deal with it. The Packers, they have said I I remember, what, February 15th, I saw an article that said the Packers said, we're fed up with Aaron Rodgers. But I bet you they're checking in on him. I bet you're saying, how's that retreat? How's the darkness? How's the light Mm -hmm. treating you? Because they know what he can do on the football field. As long as you provide a service that no one else can do, people are going to put up with what you are putting down. That's what we're seeing right now. But yes, Aaron, make a decision. Make it easy on everybody. Come on. Let's see what happens.
1: Oh God. Someone said Uh, Stacy I'm speechless he killed Jalen Carter he killed two people not that big of a deal yeah first of all he did not murder two people two people died tragically in an accident where Jalen Carter is accused of driving recklessly fleeing the scene coming back lying to officers about whether or not he was there and then later changing his story that's the background on that story it's very serious very very serious accusations allegations and an incredibly irresponsible thing to do period it's a crime What I'm saying is I don't think that that matters as much as we all think it should or will to draft uh, to front offices. And I don't think that that's necessarily a controversial take. We've seen this happen with other crimes or charges that people have faced, right? Whether it's Joe Mixon, uh, you know, whoever it is. Like The only person I can think of that really, really drastically slid uh, because of character concerns was Johnny Menzel, I guess. Uh, and Laramie Tunsil for taking a bong hit in a video that released shortly before the draft. Or even, like, was it during the draft? Shortly before the draft. Those are the only instances I can think where we watched someone tumble much further than we thought they would. We have seen many other instances of guys getting selected kind of where we thought, despite any kind of question marks about character, because people are willing to accept, you know, like, a number of excuses. Yeah, I just... We'll get to it at 11, you know, whether or not that would keep you from wanting him on the Seahawks, whether or not you can understand the context around being 21 and, you know, scared and nervous about what to do. But I just want to clarify that no one on this show was saying that's totally fine. Not a big deal. What we're saying is the reality of the NFL is such that he may end up going first overall still. Uh, all right. We're going to get to that at 11. We're going to talk about the latest from Julio Rodriguez coming up at 1045. Lots of sound from Julio. Before then, talking Kraken. They snapped the streak, but are we going to see a move ahead of Friday's deadline? That's next.
0: Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost.
1: The Seattle Kraken Cracked? I was going to say snapped. I can say cracked. A three-game losing streak? Yeah, it works. I get what you're saying. Yeah, thank you. A win over the Blues last night. Good stuff. Uh, very curious to know, uh, obviously, what this team is looking like, what they can look like when they get Burakovsky back, and then, uh, obviously, what we're going to see ahead of this trade deadline. Kraken Insider, Andy I'd going to join us in just one moment. As a reminder for you guys, you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacey podcast. That's wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, apple please rate review if you do subscribe and please subscribe if you are not subscribed already uh i track it on apple podcasts for our personal records but i don't you don't have to listen on apple Podcasts. you can listen pretty much you know, wherever you want to uh all right so um talking a little bit of cracking with andy getting to julio at ten forty-five, getting to seahawks stuff and combine stuff at 11 Packed show for you guys um Bump, are you going to be disappointed if the Kraken don't make a move ahead of the trade deadline? Because I think I'm okay. And I will admit, I will fully admit that, like, I know more about baseball and football than I do about hockey. So to me, because this team has impressed me so much this season, I'm like, well, I'm mean, going to get Burakovsky back. I feel pretty okay about him.
2: Will I be disappointed? I don't think I'd be extremely disappointed. I'd wonder. Because you feel like this team is close. They're a playoff team right now. But I want a for sure playoff team. Now, just me being greedy, right? This is what happens to fans and analysts, especially local teams. At first, you're like, yeah, I just want to see them score more goals, get better, better goaltending. And and all of a sudden, you're like, no. Then they start winning. You're like, okay, I can taste the playoffs. Let's get it. So now I want to do everything you possibly can to get into the playoffs. As of now, I think they're in the wild card spot. But uh, I wouldn't be extremely disappointed, but I will feel some type of way if they don't.
1: Yeah. All right. Kraken insider Andy I joining us right now. Let's see how Andy would feel. Andy, I know you have to be objective and you're a reporter, but would it be disappointing, do you think, to see the Kraken not make a move, or do you think they're pretty set ahead of the trade deadline?
0: Well, I don't think they are going to make a move, uh, or a notable one. Um, I think they're pretty they're pretty set as far as how they feel the team is, you know, both Hacksaw and Ron Francis. These last couple of days have talked about how, the team they have now is one that got them here, and they'd like to see what they can do. So I don't I don't expect to see a move out of them, a big one anyways.
2: If they were to make a move, who on this roster right now do you feel like will be a nice little trade bait for somebody?
0: Well, I think you've got to look at guys who are on expiring contracts, right, who, who don't have who are under contract after this year or so, and are under sugar free agents. So I think you're looking at uh, Carson Souza, the defenseman, He's probably he would probably be the most attractive. Uh, Ryan Donato is also going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's probably be the other one. After that, I guess you know there's always attractive guys. I don't think Matty Beneers is on the on the table anywhere. Uh, obviously, people would be interested in him, but uh, you know guys like Jordan Everly, I think Gord would be attractive to a contending team. But I don't see Seattle. You know they don't make the playoff without those two guys. So I don't see them willing to to move on a veteran leader like those two guys. So. Uh, you know, and then you look at the prospects they have. They have a lot of really interesting and, and producing prospects. So those guys could be something that you might use to, to lure lure something uh, into into your side.
1: Uh, Ron Francis mentioned that he's making calls regularly, but uh, kind of took the approach that I would say Jerry Depoto and the Mariners did last year when they looked at Mitch Haniger coming back from injury and said, "Look, we're going to get Burakovsky back here." And do you think that they look at that potentially as not an acquisition, but like? That's a lot of help. Like, we Getting Burakovsky back is bigger than anyone we might be willing to trade for.
0: Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I think they, they, you know, he said that they expect to have him back in the next couple of weeks is what he said. He said that about a week ago. So next week? You know, he's not very clear. And One thing I will say about Ron Francis, he plays his cards very close to his chest. So he very well could be sitting on a huge deal and just hasn't told anybody or hasn't leaked anywhere. Although I doubt it, you know, he came out yesterday and said don't expect any big moves. Uh you know, I, I think they do look at Berkowski coming back as an acquisition. I think they look at getting Tolvanen uh as as you know, as a, a off waiver earlier season as an acquisition. And then I think I look at the, the move they made this summer, you know, getting Björchan and Berkowski again as, as really their moves that they made they're gonna make this year.
2: And your name I've seen connected to um, the Kraken is Eric Carlson's um, defenseman for the San Jose Sharks. Would that be a big move? I don't know much about this guy. You say you don't see them making a big move. What type of move would that be? Uh,
0: that would be a huge move. Uh, Carlson, uh, one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, has a huge salary attached to him, which is why the Sharks have had trouble trading him. Uh, he's, you know, otherwise, he would be gone in a heartbeat. Uh, because, you know, The game is there. Uh, I just don't see Seattle willing to take on even half his salary if the Sharks are willing to retain it. Uh, that's why I don't see him being a good fit, and he's an offensive defenseman, which I do think they could use. But he would, you would take away a little bit on the defensive end there if you added him. Uh, you know, he's a high risk mm-hmm. guy, uh, but scores a lot of goals and creates a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, they—they they, I think he's making eleven million dollars off the top of my head a year. You know, they—they they signed him a few years ago to a huge. Salary when the sharks were still contending, and now they're they're kind of stuck with them a little bit.
1: Uh, hey, obviously we're going to stick with uh, Kraken here, but since we only have about four minutes left, I wanted to get your reaction, Andy, uh, on the Blackhawks trade. Obviously, Patrick Kane to the Rangers. What'd you make of that news?
0: Uh, well, Chicago is definitely in, in for the rebuild. You know, their earlier, earlier taze was looking at getting out of there. Uh, the, the franchise has had some trouble last year. It has some bad, some bad PR. It's gotten themselves, which, you know, they brought on themselves. And I think they're in. They're in on the tank, you know. Although Commissioner Gary Bennett says no team's tank, but there sure seems to be teams that are tanking, especially this year with a with a really great uh, upcoming draft. Teams want to get in position and get draft picks, and you know Connor is at the top of that draft. But it's not just Connor Bedard; there's a lot of other good players. So I'm not surprised that they looked to move him. You know, he he kind of got the control of shots because he had a no movement clause. So you know he's from the New York area, from Buffalo. Uh, and, and wanting to play Madison Square Garden in New York, you know, you can't you can't be surprised at that. So we'll see what he has left. He's had some injuries. Uh, you know, he's a little older than he, than he was during his prime, obviously. So it's an interesting move. I'm curious to see how it works out. Rangers are already a good team, so adding a veteran like that could, could uh, come in very nicely.
2: And it's all about getting better, especially this time of the season. you got the trade deadline coming up. And I'm just looking at the Kraken and and just some stats that pop out at me and say, okay, what can they do to get better? It seems like they struggle to score during power plays. I think they're ranked 20th in the league when it comes to power play goals. Um, What are you seeing during that time that's not allowing them to capitalize on these opportunities like they want to?
0: Well, again, Andre Burkowski is a big part of the power plays. Having him out has not helped there at all. Uh, and, and, you know, their power play has been inconsistent, which I think is, you know, what maybe the complaint across the board on them is just, there's times where they, they can't be stopped on the power play and they'll, they'll go on a, a week long slump where they don't get anything. You know, they maybe will go over 16 or something like that. Uh, so just being more consistent getting Burkowski will help. He helps set up a lot of us, what they like to do on their power play. Um, but I think just, you know, power plays can be inconsistent because they can go through ups and downs in the, in the league. Uh, so I think they just got to write it out and uh, and, and get him back and see what happens then. Uh,
1: hey, looking back, uh, the Kraken were able to obviously snap a three-game skid. Uh, what went wrong in the losses? What went right last night?
0: Well, last night they kind of got back to their style of play, right? They played good defense. They, they definitely improved in front of their net. And the, that, the third game they lost in Toronto, the Maple Leafs had free reign in front of the net. And it led to a lot of goals. It just seemed like there was a wave of guys that, that were coming untethered right at the net, and they were blocking group vision. They were getting rebounds and scoring on them, getting wide open shots. It was it was one of the worst uh, net front performances I've seen out of the Kraken. So last night they shored that up. Uh, they kind of went back to their style of play: defense first, creating offense off defense. So they got to keep that up here if they want to if they want to keep going.
2: Hey Andy, real quick, man, I've played in a lot of stadiums in Canada, the Midwest, the West. What's the fav- your favorite barn that you've either played in or been to?
0: Uh, well, well & Pledge is also a good start. I'll say that. Uh, you know, some of them go through different times. You know, you, you look up north in Vancouver, and when that team was up and coming, uh, you know, before they got to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2005, their, their stadium was amazing. It was loud every night. It was just rabid fans. And then they started winning, and it got a little more corporate. You know, like ticket prices went up, and, it was less real fans and more just hey, give them tickets to your buddy, and it kind of got more stale. So, uh, I, I like I like that. I like uh, Winnipeg is really good. Their their fans are hilarious. They sometimes will pick one random player and mock him all night. Uh, that's always fun. Um, so I, I gotta say, I probably would pick Winnipeg or maybe even Nashville of all places. They, they have like a nice gold champ. They do that. they score. Uh, and the, the fans down there are pretty crazy when the team's doing well. All
1: right, he is cracking Insider, Andy I'd Make sure you're reading his work at seattlesports.com, and he joins us every single Wednesday at 1030. Thanks so much, Andy. Thanks,
0: Andy. My pleasure. Talk to you guys later.
1: All right, again, Andy I. You can read his work at seattlesports.com. You are listening to Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up next, we heard from Julio Rodriguez this morning, and you will too, next.
0: Bumpin' Stacy powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
1: What we've learned from the Combine so far coming up in 15 minutes before then. Julio Rodriguez spoke with Brock and Salt this morning from Peoria. Let's get to some of what he had to say. I know you guys are excited to hear about Julio, right? Maybe, I don't even say maybe, Bump. I shouldn't even say maybe. Uh, most definitely the name that baseball fans are most excited about for this Seattle season in 2023. So let's get to it. Um, let's see. Julio talking about uh, <laughs> how life changed after the home run derby. Let's start there.
3: Uh, I just feel like, I should said, people just knew more about me. I feel like they just knew more about me. We were playing up in Seattle. And uh, I feel like whenever I tell them in L.A., that's whenever like, they kind of say, oh, the Mariners got something going on over there.
1: I do think um, that there was a shift after the derby. Obviously, Julio going to the derby as the youngest contestant was enough recognition and, and you know what i mean it's not like he came out of nowhere per se but i i remember watching the derby bump and being on twitter and seeing steph curry and like people that were obviously outside of M- of mlb's world tweeting about kind of like oh this julio kid's pretty impressive and that's when you realize like oh you're sharing this star with everyone now
2: what's the most exciting thing in baseball
1: Home runs, dingers. So,
2: dingers. So dingers. Everyone wants to see that, right? And that's exactly what Julio did. Uh, so, yeah, the um, and he did it in L.A. Mm-hmm. Like of all places, it's Hollywood, it's who's who. I imagine what those tickets cost to get up in that thing for the home run derby and the All-Star game. But when you have a young kid who is a handsome fella, 6'3", 6'4", personality, smile, the eyes are yeah. heard Brock and Salk talking about his eyes earlier today. And Creepy, then he goes okay. out and he performs like that. Um, it's, it's the perfect storm. So he took advantage of the opportunity and uh, he's no longer hiding in a crowd.
1: Um, Earlier when we were doing uh, The sell, The Story, The Question about a couple of different players, Julio was one of the ones that we did that on. The sell, The Story, were easy, right? They're all great. When I got to The Question, I was like, God, I don't know what The Question would be for Julio. Like, I know there are little tiny things he can improve on. And you said, I know The Question. And the question you said was, what?
2: Can you handle the fame, the money, all that stuff?
1: Exactly. Julio said that he got some advice from Ichiro when it comes to that.
3: I talked to Ichiro about it. Uh, I was curious and I asked the question and he basically said things along the line that people's, people might look at you different, but you can never look at yourself different. And that's, whenever he told me that, I kind of clicked in my head. It's like, okay, whoever, whoever wants to see me different because of what I'm doing on the field, what I'm doing off the field or whatever, that's their deal. And the way that I look at myself and the way that I go about my work and the way that I go about my practice, about my preparation all that, that's my deal and that's my choice. And that doesn't, that cannot be impacted by anybody or by any, any other way that the people is looking at me. Mm-hmm. So I feel like whenever he said that, it kind of shocked me. I said, okay, people perspective about me can't change. They can look at me different, but what I see about myself and where I want to go can never change. And that's something that I really took to heart, and I'm going to keep living by it.
1: It was really, really interesting to see him bump. I got to be honest. I don't I don't even know, and this isn't like not giving him credit. I don't know that his level of fame or potential fame has hit him yet. Just based on that sound of like, just know yourself and know who you are. And it's like, I don't think that's what you got to worry about. Yeah, know who you are, but like, there's a whole nother level of fame you got to worry about.
2: No, I mean, because he hasn't reached uh, his potential yet when it comes to that. But I think uh, I think that where he is in his fame, he's handling it well. And he says, right, you can't change the way you think about yourself. I think you do a little bit. You have to a little bit because you've worked so hard to get to this moment. You should pat yourself on the back a little bit and be like, I am that guy. Mm-hmm. Embrace it because that's what Thank the you. great ones do. The <laughs> great ones embrace it. They are going to depend on me to hit bombs. They are going to depend on me to steal bases and make plays in the outfield. Mm -hmm. But what shouldn't change is your preparation. If anything, you learn how to prepare even better. You look, listen to guys like Kobe and Jordan talk about when they woke up, when they left the gym. Kobe would get two workouts in before anyone else showed up. That's how you start to change, because your body changes, your influence changes. But I think mentally he's in a good spot, and you're getting advice from Ichiro. Of all people, you get to go to Ichiro and say, all right, man, how do you handle this? (laughs) How did you handle this? Um, So he's in good hands. That's one of the reasons why I love that Ichiro is still around and mentoring these young men.
1: Uh, All right, let's do – this will be our last quote here. Um, It's kind of an extension of this conversation. It's one of the most important things he's learned off the field.
3: It's about like setting your boundaries. I feel like that's something that I learned like throughout the off season too. I feel that's something that huge I feel like people don't really realize how important it is. Kind of setting your boundaries, setting what's important for you, setting what's like making sure people know what's your priority and if they don't respect that, then they don't respect you and they don't respect your dreams. So, people that respect you and that care about you and that love you, then you express that to them, they're going to be like, "Okay, go on." And keep doing your thing. People that don't, that they think about themselves and they selfish, they're going to be mad about that. So I feel like that's something that I really learned. And I hope a lot of people out there learn that too. Set your boundaries, set your priorities, and stick to your ways, stick to your dreams, and don't let anybody get in the middle of this that. This
1: is something I wish I could put on a loudspeaker and project to all young athletes, even ones <laughs> that are entering the draft this year in the NFL, right. right? In different leagues, because you wish you could just like tell everyone, hey, When you are uh, incredibly talented, the most uh, financially successful of your friends and you've got all these people that are going to you. There are sometimes people that aren't going to respect your boundaries because they're like, "Well, we're friends. What do you mean you can't hang out? What do you mean you can't lend me money? What do you mean you can't do this? What do you mean you got to work, you know, get up early and work out?" Like they In if in real life people don't respect boundaries sometimes, imagine when people think that you owe them something or you're an opportunity. Like this is something every young athlete should realize, like the importance of setting boundaries.
2: Yeah, you know, especially when you don't come from much, too. Because you feel a responsibility to take care of everybody, yeah, to help everybody, because you are now in a position that no one in your family has been in. So people will reach out to you and you do what you can. I didn't make as much money as who are nowhere near, but I made a little bit of money. The first you want to do is take care of your people, right? But you do have to set boundaries and you do have to make it clear, okay, I'm not done. I got here because I worked hard, and thank you for your support, but I still have some work to do. So he sounds like an extremely mature young Mm -hmm. man, and that's the difference between superstars and just the average players. One of the differences is they can handle these moments, and he's saying all the right things, man. So the mentorship has been great. Um, I think he's a a good role model so far for these young athletes out there. And time will tell how he handles it. But if I had to bet on him, if I had to bank on Julio, I'm going to say he's going to have a beautiful career. And um, the guidance he's getting right now is because of that.
1: Uh, All right, we're going to get into some X's and O's talk at 11.15 with four down territory. You've got some stuff that you heard from Niners GM John Lynch we're going to talk about. Uh, And then before we get to that, though, it's everything we've learned from the Combine so far. That's the latest from Pete and John. We've got cuts and also, of course, that news on Jalen Carter. Don't go anywhere.